Welcome to Built to Scale e-commerce show with Darius and Justin. We are the founders of Ad Kings Agency, an industry-leading boutique e-commerce, Facebook ads, and omni-channel funnels growth agency. Our insights and expertise have helped to generate over $45 million in revenue and spent over $18 million on paid acquisition for our clients in the last year alone. In this podcast, we open up about the marketing and business development strategies and tactics we use to get these results. Hey guys, welcome to Build to Scale Commerce Show. And today, me and Darius will be having a chat with my business partner, Justin. And we'll be diving deep in quiet, I would say, interesting topics right now. We'll be talking about iOS 14, how it's affecting our clients, what's happening with Facebook, why the CPMs on Facebook is climbing. And I'll be showing some interesting numbers from Facebook perspective because the revenue went up by 48% compared to the last year. If you're comparing quarter one of the last year versus this quarter, one. And what's funny is we didn't even increase their ad inventory that much. This means, you know, all the cost and uplifting this was taken by us advertisers and brands like you. And another thing we'll be talking about is we are seeing some of our clients being stuck in the range between 100K to 300K. Some clients even stuck at 400K versus the other ones that are like scaling past that without a problem. And there's usually like a few key differences that are differentiating these brands that are stuck there versus the ones that are able to grow further. So we'll be going through some of these things that we're noticing. And hopefully, you know, by solving these issues that we'll be talking about, you'll be able to, you know, grow past these limits. And that's kind of it. So Justin, how are you doing today? Doing good. Trying to recover after a longer weekend. So, um, but yeah, I would say very interesting topics. That we'll be covering today, as uh, I would say, I'm more closely related to the second one when I'm I'm talking with uh, potential clients or you know some of the current clients, hearing their struggles or, or challenges that they're having today, and definitely we see a lot of commonalities across uh, different accounts. Cool. So first topic, right? Let's talk a little bit about CPM rises in the market. I was doing some analysis and analyzing, you know, the data that Facebook is presenting to their shareholders because we're like publicly trading company. They usually have to submit quarterly reviews of their profit earnings and revenue and basically all expenses. So it's something very interesting, you know, for us as advertisers and business owners that are using this platform to analyze. To be honest, I was, I I got like quite quite a bit of shock when I've seen, you know, Facebook revenue actually go up by 48% compared to the last year. And this just shows, you know, very well to what we have been facing through the last year. It was increasing CPMs. And the ad inventory didn't increase. This means, you know, all the brand impact was literally taken by us. And this is why, you know, some clients, when we started to work like two years ago, we seen link clicks at 0.6 cents per dollar. And it it was really good link clicks back then. But now we are seeing the same clients have link click caught prices at about $1.4, $1.5, and sometimes even struggling to stay afloat. And one of the things that really made me think about it and, you know, how do you deal with that? How do you stay relevant after, let's say, two, three years, if we are still maintaining this type of uplift and, you know, how do we maintain our clients relevant? And maybe like the best thing uh, that I thought about was actually, you know, 
big thing is actually to invest in conversion rate optimization. I know it's something that you've been talking through like ages, many, many times, but conversion rate optimization, I still feel is number one way to combat the increase in CPMs. Because the way it works that, you know, when CPMs are increasing, only the toughest, you know, competitors are able to stay in the market. This means that competitors that are having the best conversion rate, the best AOV, they're making the most dollars per each visitor they get. So conversion rate, I think, you know, still will play a big role here. And actually doing active testing, not just, you know, redesigning your website and that's it, but doing A-B testing for things like which add to cart text is working better, how many add to carts you should be having on the page, which image is working better, like these small nuances. But this is kind of like, I feel is really not even like an option right now that you should be doing, but a mandatory thing. So I'm not sure, Justin, do you maybe have some extra things to add here? I'll just raise this kind of a question here as we were discussing this quite a few times that from time to time we were seeing a direct correlation what we improve on the website. So like conversion rate up, if the conversions actually go up, we see that CPMs as well after some time or you know directly actually go up on Facebook as well as just uh, you know Facebook don't want you making actually more money and being more efficient as as a business so by by seeing this several times I would maybe highlight a little bit more about average order values not only just conversion rate up like conversions at the end of the day but we see and and we'll be talking on a second topic more about the average order value but definitely I would say average order value is something that is as important and uh, later the lifetime value as as well because you know at the end of the day Facebook is acquisition channel to be honest in most of the cases yes it has you know middle and then the bottom of of the funnel but uh, yeah it's like the, the biggest channel where you can acquire the customers so the acquisition cost will be always uh, really really high and as we see most likely it will be always climbing so um it's just the the harsh reality and that's why you just need to look outside of it and just uh, if you understand technically how things work you just need to focus on what you're in control because in this case you're not in control with with what Facebook is doing that's your own platform and and so on yes you're in control maybe of what type of creatives you're you're running or so but what we can see throughout you know the last quarter or so is that uh, sometimes no matter how good you are or how good your creatives or like your landing page is, it's it's still you're not improving and you can do whatever you want. It's it's not just improving. So then then it means you're not in control of it. So uh, you should focus elsewhere and not just waste the time on. Um, it, it just uh, like in in you know it's. Um, as as you know in the stocks market it just it goes up then it stabilizes and that's a new normal so at the end of the day maybe it will be a new normal everyone will will be you know following the same rules so what you can do then with these rules is it something that you should you know continue trying to to figure out or innovate within a facebook or actually just start looking and and you know keeping a little bit more attention on on some other things so which is or either on on in your business on your website the products and some other things 
Yeah, it's actually very interesting that you reminded me about, you know, that like Serial does have some diminishing effects with Facebook, but I would say, you know, it's it's still relevant if you want to at least maintain with industry and something that you sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. really must do, you know, because otherwise, <laughs> honestly, in, in a few years, you will be just screwed. I've seen this happen uh, firsthand, you know, experience. And then, you know, I think you touched also on very like interesting topic of LTV, right? A lot of people still kind of know that LTV exists, but we never really, you know, optimize for it. And what we recently started to do with some of our clients was actually, you know, look at which products have the best LTV, not in a way that, you know, hey, we made like a first sale here. And, you know, this is what we're making through the sale. This is the ROAS we're getting. But sometimes it makes sense to maybe even sell some different products that's smaller at the start, right? Because we figure out that in six months, the people who buy the smaller product that doesn't cost that much, we'll be buying two times more. And yes, at the front end, maybe we'll be losing money. But because we have this data-backed, you know, science behind LTV decisions, we're able to direct our budget better here. And for that, we are actually using HIROS. And the same thing, you know, to optimize even based on the ad sets, like longer timeframes instead of, you know, just looking at, hey, what we are getting on the seven, 30 days window, but actually look at six months window, which assets are performing for best investment though compared to like the small ones. And uh, going back a little bit to the iOS, since you're, you're, you're working closer with advertisers and looking to the, you know, into the data and so on, how would you say, you know, that the clients are being affected or if you, if you are seeing any, you know, direct impact once the iOS was, uh, you know, like pre-rolling and then after, you know, rolling out the iOS itself and uh, were there any specific correlations between the accounts or, or not really? What, I don't know what we've been doing. I saw, you know, a lot of, you know, chats and some of the discussions. I know that, you know, some of the things that our advertisers uh, tested, even as I remember, if I'm not mistaken, you know, excluding maybe iOS users and seeing how it will affect, you know, this type of audience versus Android or Windows users. So actually, like iOS 14, I think right now it's a super relevant topic, but for us, experience with it was at very least interesting, if you can say it this way. Right before iOS, like I think two days before iOS, we experienced like the worst performance I think we have seen in, in the past last year. And it was like really bad because what we noticed that Facebook suddenly started to deliver, instead of, you know, delivering like 60% of traffic towards Apple and iOS, suddenly it started to deliver 70-80% of traffic towards Android. And this was happening across all the devices. But what happened on 26th, actually everything fixed itself and performance went back up to where about it should be. And I'm still trying to understand, I'm talking with some people, right? So for example, my girlfriend, she's having like iOS on her phone. She got a notification pop-up about Facebook, you know, you needing to verify that she wants to give her data, you know, away to Facebook, basically to optimize the ads on it. But when I talk with many other people, nobody is really even getting it there. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I have as well iPhone. I didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think like somehow like Apple, even if we rolled out this update officially, I think we are doing like a minimal testing or, or something, you know, we're not rolling it out across all the devices. So I would say even if iOS 14 is right now kind of live, if you can say it this way, it still didn't hit. Like everybody is just, you know, unsure when it, it actually is going to see, you know, deterioration in performance. So right now, you know, in the recording of this podcast, it's actually, I think what, it's May 3rd. So we will see, you know, how it goes in the upcoming week. But now like the first week went by and everything is somewhat okay. 
Yeah, so you you're not you know seeing anything something really out of uh, what what you're used to in in the last I don't know a couple of months or so. Yeah, to be honest, I would say even performance in general isn't that bad. It might have to do you know with Mother's Day. Uh, I know with a lot of clients we're running specific campaigns here, and it it definitely helps to boost that performance. And just a quick tip, guys: if you are like not utilizing these holidays across the year, you're losing quite a bit of money. So usually Mother's Day, Father's Day, you know, like the main events, you should be running at least small remarketing campaigns here with some sort of special offer, because it really helps to boost up things. Yeah. So I don't know, uh, uh, you know, about iOS. Is there like any other comments from your side what you're seeing? <laughs> to be honest. I would be just waiting and seeing how it goes. Right now, it's still a little bit early to say, you know, what what could happen. We were, I know that we are prepped for it, you know, as best as we could, and then you know, it's it's up to the things to happen. I know a lot of people still expect, you know, the world to crash. I'm expecting some hiccups, but I'm for sure sure, you know, we'll find a way because once again, like Facebook system is controlled by auction. And, you know, auction is controlled by advertisers. And basically, you know, if everybody will be struggling, there will be less advertisers. And when there's less advertisers, Ross will increase. So it's it's kind of, you know, self-contained and self-regulating system. This is why I think, you know, we will still survive. The most important thing is, you know, have enough cash to survive maybe three to six months when performance will be down and, you know, weakest uh, businesses will be falling down. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's totally true. As I was getting on, uh, let's see, sales calls or so, pretty much everyone are asking <laughs> of how you're planning to deal with the iOS or so. But I don't know. It's just uh, you know that uh, it's uh, kind of a stoic philosophy. If, if you're not in control of some of the things, why to bother around it? And it's just like no one knows, so why to speculate that much? So let's just focus on the things that we can control. And just yeah, it's if if you've been with. Facebook advertising for years, you know that uh, every now and then there's uh, some big changes and uh, you're just used to it. It's like a, a one more thing of that's coming. And uh, yeah, it's just um, nothing new in a way. You just don't need to, to be too much focused there. You need to be prepared in a way, but not you know, you shouldn't put all the eggs, you know, in one basket then at the end of the day. So your your business should be just well diversified and and potentially be prepared, you know, maybe to downscale or so, but then you should focus potentially on, on some other channels as well. So it's just, um, I don't know, it's just uh, one more challenge that you will need to overcome and that's pretty much it. Yeah, I think to be honest, it's it's kind of we are maybe like not normal people here. <laughs> I know you always were like relatively calm and I personally had like good experience trading crypto during like the first wave when everything was so rocky, ups and downs, and I literally went through it. I I think like it started with two K per you know, initial deposit for trading and I scaled up to like 22, 20, 22K and managed to burn everything in one hour. When <laughs> managed to scale back up to the same level that like during the first wave, definitely like beating the market averages a few times. But even, you know, that really taught me about controlling my emotions very well. And seeing, you know, how market cycles work and how many people get scared and panicked while, you know, it's, it's just a normal correction. Same thing here, you know, I would be just looking at this as a normal correction. That will just weed out, you know, like the, the weakest links. And afterwards, after some time, it will just recover. 
So yeah, it might be different. We might need to adapt, but we'll definitely find a way. Cool. Maybe let's talk about, you know, <laughs> our clients. And I think a lot of people that we talk about are struggling at about 100 to 300k per month mark and how we could, you know, be pushing through this mark. So what do you think, Justin? Yeah, I would say it's uh, what we've been recently seeing. And it, there are some differences around, you know, 100 to 300. I would say maybe it's even closer to 200, maybe a three, 350, maybe 400 in some cases, depending on a business. But definitely there is a stage for a business where in any business, they're just having same problems. And uh, for sure, there are like multiple solutions, but you just need to be aware of um, how technically e-commerce are, are built and at, at what stage you are and at where you should focus on. So definitely, I think, you know, that the biggest struggle, which, which we're talking about here is, you know, passing this uh, certain threshold but uh, what type of issues in general people are facing? And definitely there are like multiple type of issues that the businesses could be facing at, at this level. But uh, I would say that the biggest one is, is definitely the, the scale up to, let's say, a 200, for, for example. And we had like a several clients were like to, let's say, 300. And then they're, they're stuck. And after some time, if the business is not evolving and if you're just focused on advertising, only advertising is evolving and that's pretty much it. That's, you know, the main place where you, I don't know, we test the ads, creatives and all the different type of things. At some point you just run out of ideas and it's it's just, uh, I'm always saying Facebook or a certain part of advertising are just tools for a business, and there's like multiple of uh, channels, uh, activities that uh, you know uh, helps to sustain the business and actually helps to to grow the business. And it's not only about advertising; it's just somehow people just think, okay, where I put you know the, the money for advertising, this is where I should be, you know, getting you know the most returns or so. It's it just um, it's just where you put the money for sure. But uh, if, you know, no matter how good your advertising is, if other things are sucking and they're not improving at the end of the day, you know, your results won't really change. So I would say the biggest struggle is that um, people, I guess, just don't understand and they usually... They scale up, they, they kind of uh, maintain that level, and after you know a bit of a time, everything starts rolling down. So they're making less money, they're spending the same amount of uh, you know money on advertising, so their profitability is decreasing, and uh, they not, don't necessarily know what they should do. And as we were, as I was uh, hearing that from different people, not necessarily only from our clients, but actually just by, by talking with some of the guys who were just coming for us and, and looking maybe to work or to consult with us or so. And uh, I have identified at least several times that how people usually think, you know, when things are good, they just start focusing on some other or just they lose the focus and they just get really used to it because they, they think that's a new norm. And after some time, it's just you're not testing enough. If if you're doing really good, you should be continuing or even you know doubling your, your number of tests and how the business is adapting because at the end of the day, the things that are helping for you and, and working for you at this current you know period of time 
within a week or within a month, those will stop working. So what's the next thing that you can rely on in a way? Yeah, I think like it's it's really good about I mentioned, you know, like the CPM increase and you know, like Facebook revenue. So Facebook revenue went up by 50% in a year. This means, you know, the competition, the market went up by 50% in a single year. And, you know, what you were doing like a year ago, if you're still doing the same thing, you're dead. That's the reality of it. And, you know, a lot of people do not understand that. All that we do is just focus on marketing. And this is kind of usually the clients that they see, you know, being the ones that are stuck. They usually scale up and then, you know, about six months passes and you suddenly see, you know, okay, if we were doing about 250, now we are suddenly doing 200, 280, 260, 250. And they started getting flustered and, you know, hey, what's happening? Guys, you know, you're not doing marketing right. <laughs> but reality, you know, like link clicks, no matter how good we do, no matter what, you know, we improve the CTR, we improve, you know, conversion rates, we improve the AOVs. But the thing is still, the link click went in like two years from 0.6 to 1.4, $1.5 for the client. If you haven't been completely innovating as a business, right, introducing new products, new offers, you know, something that is just not, you know, related with marketing only, you know, you are left behind by competitors who are doing all this. And this is why there are still brands that are, you know, like, uh, for example, one of the brands that is analyzing rightly, it's golly.com. We're doing, I think, anywhere between six to 10 million a month in, in supplements niche while selling two products. But because we have such a well-polished funnel, we are experimenting all the time, et cetera. This is what's giving them advantage here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, we're talking about the, the, the problem in a way and we're talking it, you know, in a, in, in a broad manner. Maybe, you know, let's, let's talk about, uh, where are usually the issues and what could be the solutions or like where particularly businesses you know should be focusing of course there are like different scenarios and different situations but uh, you know some of the main areas that that we see in our client uh, cases or with some of the businesses that let's say we're talking or so but these are just always repeating and uh, these are usually the issues or the uh, where they should be pretty much focusing on looking for the solutions in a way for for business to continue growing actually. So I would say uh, number one thing is definitely lack of innovation from product side and just in general new products. Quite a bit of our clients are actually you know I feel are stuck with one product and you know at a certain point we mentioned that but we do not take it as seriously as we should. But, you know, after the performance starts to go down, this is where I understand, holy shit, right? I didn't focus there, and now this product is already burned through. You know, it's still generating revenue, but it's not generating 250. It's generating 150 maybe right now, right? And I do not have another product. If I start to kind of create it right now, it will take at least six months. And, you know, six months, I would say, for new product development is kind of average, but ideally, I've seen clients do it in like two, three months. If you're like, you know, going to the country and they really need to speed up the process, I would say, you know, the speed of product creation is definitely a huge thing. So, you know, if you're a fast growing business, I would say, you know, first of all, invest in more products, but also focus on speed, how you quickly you're rolling out new products. So let's say, you know, you got your product, whatever you are in cosmetics, some sort of like other product, maybe, you know, in, in fitness niche, you got your winner product, it's stuck, you know, you managed to scale up to 200, 300, 400k spend a lot of time in, in creating new products and do not just create one product. I would say, you know, go out of a board, create six, eight products in the next quarter. 
I know it's a lot of money, right? But keep in mind, not all the products will work. And you could be pre-testing products. And this is what I always recommend to our clients. Do not just invest in the product straightforwardly, but, you know, like create a mock-up, create something, create pre-sale campaign, you know, run some ads, figure out, you know, how well it's converting. And if it's doing well, you know, you know, even if you do not have any stock, just refund the money and create a product afterwards. Of course, it's, it's not the best way to do it, right? But it will get you to where you want to go faster. And then, you know, figure out like multiple products like this and do it in the next quarter. And don't stop there, do it in the next quarter too. Because this is the big difference, you know, one of our clients in, let's say, cosmetics niche is stuck. We had like 300K and, you know, afterwards it was just going downhill, downhill, downhill. While another one from what I've seen over competitor was doing is they also started with one, two products, but each quarter we were introducing an extra four to five products. And now after a year, we have about 15 product lineup and their scale is actually multiple times higher compared to the way it was. Yeah, and I would say with um, another thing that people often don't realize is that uh, yes, you'll have those winners like Hero products. To some extent, you know, uh, depends how long uh, you know those will be your Hero products because others will you know start copying you, and uh, the competition will be increasing, or the trend will be you know going away, or, or so. It depends. But maybe it will go for you know half a year, a year, maybe two, maybe three or so. But uh, you should be always having in mind that maybe it it will stop. It will stop, and you should always having this uh, idea in your mind that it will stop, and you need to replace it with another hero product. So that's why you should be developing other ones. But in case your product will not become a hero product, but maybe those products can go well together and that might help and what Darius was referring you know some of our client competitors what they did while our client is focused on on one bundle which is really working well for them but it seems that it has its own flaws and it's totally fine you just realize after some time and having enough you know data but competitors already have uh, four or five bundles and two or three out of those of uh, five bundles uh, can be, you know, scale or can be, you know, diversifying your your income at, at the end of the day, which is really important as well. So those new products will help you to build the bundles uh, potentially. Or if those cannot go together, which is really not ideal, it should you should always think that your products, how while developing the the product, don't necessarily go completely to the new category where your customers won't necessarily be interested. Of course, it has its own benefits because you can attract new customers, but then you're pretty much, again, you're just uh, focusing on the cold acquisition, so you're not necessarily working on your lifetime value. In the best case scenario, both you know new products should go together with your old products as a bundles, but at the same time, you know maybe you can scaling those products as well individually. So new products help definitely should help with AOV and the lifetime value too, and it's extremely important to diversify your income streams. But you know, cold acquisition. But at the same time, have those uh, products in the back end to increase your lifetime value. Because uh, what we found with uh, with one of our clients is that um, product is kind of consumable. 
and potentially should be repurchased after some time. But even after six months, the LTV of after we introduce the bundles, uh, you know, AOV have bumped quite a bit. I think like thirty percent or like even closer to forty, which was great. And now it's like a new norm, but the LTV haven't really changed. Yes, of course, we we started looking into. We had a good discussion, and um, they did. Kind of figured out what's the issue here, but they just uh, was highlighting the same topic that we were like talking about. Is just uh, the need to have new products and need to be coming up with those new products faster. One of the hacks what I was actually you know exploring like this week, you know, just going through like some competitors and you know analyzing the market. One of more like interesting tactics that they will certainly be trying with our clients, I would say, is called bundle scaling. In a way, because, well, maybe sometimes you just have five, six products, right? And you maybe, you know, try to bundle four of them into one bundle. And you say, you know, oh, I would need to release, you know, many more products to create like unique bundles. So what you can be doing is, you know, out of these five, six products, running, you know, three products as a core of a bundle. And then, you know, adding one extra product. For example, you know... You run like three things, you add one, that's like the number one bundle. You run the same three things in another bundle, just add another thing, you know, that's a bit different as like maybe a four ingredient is different here. Same thing, you can create like multiple bundles and assign the purpose for each of these bundles. So the bundle one, it might be, you know, hey, it's bundle for women 50 plus. And then you create a landing page based on that. And suddenly with that bundle, you're able to target, you know, women very well, you know, are over 50 plus and really speak their core messages to this audience. With second bundle, you're able to target maybe women that are showing, you know, signs of early aging. Right. And suddenly you're able to target women who are, you know, maybe 30 to 40 plus range who are, you know, showing this and are able to relate with this problem. And then with another bundle, number three, maybe you're able to target young women who are, you know, still, you know, we want to prevent aging in general, you know, and wants to stay, you know, as young as possible. And basically with these bundles and, you know, mixing up the products in different ways, you're able to create all these ways to niche in into your target market and actually scale up further. So once again, for that, you need more products. You can't avoid that. But, you know, sometimes you can also mix and match same products in a different ways to create essentially more offers to run to cold audiences. Yeah, and, and this is definitely, as as we were talking here about this this uh, issue that we see, it's definitely the, the lowest, lowest you know, hanging fruit is, is definitely... New products increase in average order value, like thinking about the lifetime value, which can be reached as well with some some other activities, which are in the back end. You know, having a good email or SMS flow or, or or some other tactics, but you should be tracking your lifetime value and being aware of where you are, what are the potential issues or challenges and uh, and understanding how much of your customers or what's the percentage of you know repeat purchases in you know in three months in six months in let's say 12 months or so and and then look for benchmarks if, if that's you know good enough uh, according in which in which category or niche niche you are as 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 well but as I said, it's definitely not only like with one or two clients, but let's say a new client that is coming in, they're doing, I think, four to 500K a month. And we had an extensive discussion that they had. I think they have like two really well, you know, good products, but uh, they stopped scaling up just because. Um, 
now they're not, you know, if they scale up and they can do it, but they're not profitable enough because their average order value, I think, don't remember exactly, but I think that you know that the product is AOV is about eighty dollars or so, and um, profit margins are okay, and not ideal, but um, it's not enough. The average order value is not enough to for them to keep growing at a profitable scale with the first purchase. So either they need to increase the AOV or increase the lifetime value um, in their case to continue growing. And that wasn't a case actually with the other client that we grew, you know, to to eight figures just because uh, their average order value was I think around 130, 140, which was uh, working for them pretty well in in the cold acquisition. But eventually they ran ran into the same problem of actually not having the repeat purchases. They were still relying on the acquisition, which was great for them, even at the really high scale. But uh, definitely after some time, they started seeing that they're not getting the repeat purchases. And uh, they're just running out of the audience because they were already like in a, in a solid eight-figure uh, business. And uh, yeah, so it's just no matter where you are, just go back to the same basic, you know, pillars, but you just need to understand where you are. But yeah, it just repeats again and again in different type of uh, products and categories. Yeah, because it's important, you know, I would say it's one of the core concepts and, you know, a lot of people simply, you know, do not have experience. So we are like in, I would say, a really, really lucky place because you're able to interact with so many different business owners at different levels and see, you know, and first of all, affect that, but then, you know, see, you know, what is actually bringing the impact, what's bringing the results and what's not. And how we are thinking, how we are, you know, doing different actions here and based on that, you know, to, to decide on what is actually the best course of action and what's the best plan with what the most of our clients and what the most of our market is having success with. So we have like a fair advantage of data here. And when I was thinking about like another thing, you know, that a lot of like the most successful businesses are doing and the ones that are growing on risk level, they are grow hacking. I would say it's not like the Serio, right, where you're doing some basic A-B testing. But what I call a grow hacking really is completely revamping and making big changes to the funnel, big changes how you approach the e-commerce in general. And it could be that maybe, you know, you have been running like a bundle, right? And you would think like the bundle is epiphany of AOV increase. <laughs> Reality is just a start. What you could be doing is, you know, hey, you introduce on the landing page quantity upsell. So some people might be buying one bundle, some people might be buying two bundles. And what's interesting, once you introduce this for some of our clients, we have seen about like 30% of people actually take up two bundles. This means, you know, our AOV practically increased by 30% just by this one change. And this is what they call a grow hacking, just completely revamping things. But, you know, the next thing, you know, you could be doing after people drop in these two things, you know, we take like a double bundle or one bundle. There could be a pop-up that shows, hey, guys, you know, this is another product that goes really well with this bundle. Do you want to add it to your cart? Like pre-purchase upsell, right? Some people will take it. That's, that's additional, you know, 15% of people that should take this upsell. And, you know, depending on the value of it, you could see another like 5 to 10% increase to your average order value there. 
When you know, afterwards you go into checkout, people complete the checkout. You have post purchase upsell, <laughs> another twenty percent of AOV increase. When you have a downsell, you know that's maybe another four to five percent increase. When you have a second upsell, and I know it might sound aggressive, right? But reality in this market, when the market is you know competition is getting harder and harder and tougher, this is what you need to be doing. And even then on the thank you page, and this is why I love the Golly funnel so much. I definitely recommend everybody to go there and go through the funnel, buy something from them for cheap. It's, it's not even expensive. But see how it's structured and see that on the thank you page, we even have this pop-up, right? Hey, refer a friend and we'll give you $10 for each friend you refer. <laughs> it's such a funny thing, right? But it works because maybe one in 10 people refer additional friends, right? This means suddenly you're bumping up your AOE by another 10%, you know, for like very little of a cost and certainly costing you way less, you know, like $10, I believe would be at least five, maybe six times less versus your average acquisition cost through paid media. So this is the things that you should be testing. And it's not something about just randomly implementing them, but doing tests of them. So you need to figure out, okay, is it this better? Or is it this offer that's working better? Is it, you know, this upsell that's working better? Is it this, you know, post-purchase, you know, product that's working better? But this is the grow hacking and you really need to be doing actively these things. And I would recommend, you know, and this is what we're doing with our clients is, I would say two to three tests per, per quarter is usually ideal. But if you have a bandwidth, uh, do more. Definitely do more because, you know, the more you test, the more results you will see. So I'm not sure, Justin, do you have anything to add here? I think that the last thing is how to, <laughs> I, I think we, go, we won't go too much into detail around this, but um, these are the outputs at the end of the day, you know, the new products, new offers, and, and some other activities, but um, no one is really talking about the inputs as well. So to reach that, you either need like um, someone in-house or like the agency or for someone who's leading the whole process, how to get the people, how to make sure that you're following deadlines and, and some other things. It's definitely another big topic, which is um, from where everything happens. So these are like operations and so on. So I, I think a lot of businesses definitely struggle as well with, with that. We as a as an agency as well, always try trying to keep up with this. This is where I am, you know, the most uh, involved, I guess, how the agency is operating and so on. So we're always Im- improving as our, you know, from our processes. So, but I think this is definitely that e-commerce businesses should be considering too is just um, what I often see is that uh, people who are building your and we often what we often ask uh, uh, new clients uh, what's their previous experiences is is that you know the first the business that you're doing from where you're coming is that maybe you're a second or a third of uh, or so it just uh, gives a lot of perspective if people already done it before maybe a once or a couple even times or so it's just like way easier because uh, to talk with these people and have a discussion just because most likely I've gone already for through something similar either it was in the same niche or like some, something else but definitely there uh, there are activities in the business that are always repeating so and those input activities to reach that you know certain result you should be definitely uh, good in you know having managing your team hiring your team project management activities uh, and so on so 
We're implementing OKR subjectives and key results. So I've or I've recorded a separate uh, podcast specifically talking about OKRs and uh, what's the difference between you know key performance indicators and, and, and so on. And these are the inputs. And without uh, controlling the inputs, you won't be able you know and being aware of the inputs, you won't be able to reach the output as well. And at the end of the day, if you're a business owner, so you won't be the one who is doing everything. You're team will be doing that so how you will be capable of overlooking and understanding where your team is at the moment and where are the challenges so um, definitely uh, you know project management OKRs right people and so on and uh, I highly encourage people who haven't uh, they're already at a 150 or even 200 or like three or four hundred Invest in people and try to find someone as well to add up to your team because uh, definitely you're you're the business owner and you're you will always you know input maybe more hours than others. However, others might come with the experience that you don't have, so you will be taking a week to maybe a month or like several months to figure out the best solution and someone who has done it already, you know, a number of times we've been working in this uh, specific maybe product development or operations and like improvement operations or so uh, department, for example, they'll just do things faster than, than you and you should be then just focusing on on some other more important activities for your business. So yeah, it's just uh, won't go too much into that, but definitely that uh, you as a business owner, you should consider the inputs as well because we're talking about the outputs. But uh, yeah, just look for for good people to replace yourself as well. Yeah, it's good that we're having quite a bit of content about that. So check out some other episodes. And I would say, you know, just think quick thing to add up. Do not be afraid to look for coaches and mentors on a lot of areas of your business. And this is what you when you know we are doing up to this day. So for example, right now we are implementing OKR. So we got a mentor about that. Somebody who had like a lot of experience in that field. And it's okay to be paying quite a bit per call, you know, just because it helps us to save so much time and trial and error process. And even, you know, like I think like two weeks ago, I, for example, I had a call with a guy that was running, you know, like few of the UK fastest growing startups, like a serious guy. I think he is managing like a team, had managed a team of three, 400 members. For sure, you know, somebody not like uh, you would see, you know, every day. But even he was okay, you know, to hop on a call. He was able to put away his ego to hop on a call with us and, you know, pay us to coach him about, you know, hey, what's happening wrong in the business? What could be improved? What could be, you know, future projections, etc. And I think, you know, like the review we got out of him afterwards was really, you know, nice one. And for sure, you know, he got value out of it. And, you know, small things, but, you know, the most successful entrepreneurs were always able to put their ego aside and just, you know, learn and ask our people for help. And this is what we are doing, other people are doing, and it's okay to do that. And a few extra things to mention <laughs> to coming to the end of this podcast. So I know a lot of this is, is coming, you know, and, and it's kind of complex, a lot of topics to understand, especially, you know, at different levels. Because once you get past this, you know, what I talked to today, you know, 100 to 300K per month mark, it will start facing other issues and you will fall into another level of problems and you will have to deal with them to grow further. And it's, you know, repeatable process overall. 
So this is why, you know, we were even writing the book, you know, finally we finalized the name of the book. So it will be e-commerce engine. I think it should come up somewhere in like five, six months. So yeah, it's it's coming to then. The book itself is written. We are just putting the last touches and figuring all the marketing plan, etc. And hopefully it, it will be something that helps people to understand all these things that we do not see, you know, in, in their daily lives, I think, that we were able to see just by working as an agency, see businesses succeed, see businesses fail, and, you know, figure out what's, you know, the things that the business owners should be tackling when we're small, once we hit, you know, 100 to 300K mark, after 300K, once we hit 800K, because there are all like different things and strategies to be put in place at each of these levels, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I guess that another last thing, if if you're maybe interested of, uh, I don't know, working with us or so, so we as an agency are now kind of booked and we have uh, all the clients in place. So we are just doing a new client's onboarding round just somewhere in July or August. If you're interested, definitely we can jump on a call and uh, you might have a call maybe with, with me or like with, with uh, some of our colleagues or so far from the agency. But uh, we're at this moment, we're not onboarding any new clients till July or August. However, we are having sales calls with with anyone who is interested. It's just uh, we just want just to discovery. have a, yeah, yeah, just uh, prepare our resources as well. Focus on the clients that we have at the moment, and uh, yeah. So if you're interested, you know, just uh, book a call with us. We're doing as well, you know, from time to time consultations. As Darius have mentioned, you know, one of the guys from let's say UK and and so on. So if we're not working, sometimes we we might be helpful on the consultation. But other than that, the new clients onboarding is just will be on July or August. Well, we'll see how busy we'll be with the current <laughs> batch of clients as well. Yeah, I, I was actually about to mention that, and you know, not sure should I be grateful or a little bit, you know, sad about it that we can't accept more clients. But yeah, situations like this. So I think, like, when I was looking through the numbers last quarter, we got anywhere between like about 50, 60 leads, right? And we only started to work with four of them, and that was even, you know, above what we planned. We initially planned to onboard maybe two clients, so we really stretched there. And now, you know, this is why we are like taking some time off, at least a few months, till we you know get through with these clients, push them through, you know, ensure the service quality. And then we'll see, you know, if you'll have like a few spots, most likely it will be anywhere between one to two spots. And yeah, if, if you're interested, you know, just go book a discovery call and we are more than happy to chat and explore it. But yeah, there's a little bit of a delay, sadly. Yeah, so uh, I guess that's uh, pretty much for, it for for today. Two interesting topics, a little bit off topics as well. But uh, yeah, this is, I guess, what's happening in our in our everyday life and what we've been seeing that's happening over the last quarter with our clients and within, within the industry and just backing those uh, hypotheses or so with some of the data behind and uh, happy, always happy to share our insights and, and thoughts uh, with, with you guys. And I guess that's pretty much it for today. Enjoying this podcast? Consider subscribing and sharing it with your friends. This helps us to grow and create more amazing content like this for you.